This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He's the weird owl of country music. Howbeit, I always thought that his parodies were way funnier. He's released 12 albums full of funny and has been making people laugh since 95, maybe before. He's parodied artists like Trace Atkins, Shania, Char- Shania Twain, Charlie Daniels, and even the Eagles. He's the man that made me want to write parody music, and I think he's one of the best to ever do it. Cletus T. Judd, no relation. What's up with you? Man, I ain't never had no intro that good. Man. <laughs> well, all that's Some. true. You well, are. I, you, I actually made. I sent that to him, Chris. That's why he said all that. <laughs> <laughs> did I do it like but you man, wanted? Thank you. Uh, you know, you're talking about doing that Eagles parody. Uh, we did one called Motel California, and uh, if I wish, I've only had two people ever tell me, uh, actually three, that ever said, "Hey, don't ever do another one of my songs ever. There's gonna be trouble." And one of them was Don Henley of the Eagles. The other one was. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. What? And the other one was Garth Brooks. Oh, wow. And I wish I'd have kept the two letters. I wish I'd have kept those two letters from Don Henley and Michael Jackson because I'd be sitting on a gold mine right now. Man, you've been banned by the best. Uh, I have. You know, Garth (laughs) called me up when I did, uh, him and Trish did that parody called In Another's Eyes, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, a great song with uh before they was knocking on each other and uh i, I guess it was before then i don't know for sure but uh i did a song called you need another size and uh and i, put, I was getting ready to put it out and i got a call uh i think i was over at county q studios if i remember correctly and uh i got a call and it was garth and garth said uh Cletus, you know uh i heard the parody and uh i you know that song is up for a grammy and I appreciate it if you wouldn't put that song out because it is up for a Grammy. And I got to thinking, you know, you've sold more be- uh, more records than the Beatles, Garth. If I can keep you from winning a Grammy, I ain't making near enough money in this business. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so, I went ahead and put it out, and he went ahead and won the Grammy. And uh, Because of you. Friends, we've been friends ever since. It was because of you that he won that Grammy. Oh, absolutely it was. I guarantee you. Uh, he, he's a wonderful guy now, though. He came up to me in the parking lot at, over at Hermitage. I was playing in a golf tournament way back in the day, and he came up to me. I was a nervous wreck anyway, and he said, You Cletus? I said, Yes, sir. It's nice to meet you, Mr. Brooks. And he said, I ain't a big fan. <laughs> I'm, I'm fixing to fight the king right here. And he said, But my kids sure do love you, and it's nice to meet you. And ever since then, man, I've... Uh, I've been friends with him ever since. He's been a wonderful friend to me all these years. I can't wait for the day that somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, man, I ain't a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that. yeah. Yeah. I've got that a lot of times, trust me. Have you? (laughs) Heck yeah. So we start every show with a fast five. We We ask you 
five fast questions and we get five quick answers. Let's do it. Here we go. Favorite country artist that you parodied? Trace. Trace, every light in the house is blown. That's right. Every yeah. light in the house is blown. He, fired me. He, he burned my arm with a fire extinguisher. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite comedian? Jeff Foxworthy. No. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to probably say musical-wise, my biggest influence, Ray Stevens, sure. Oh, that's oh, a good man. one. I love Ray. Yeah. yeah. I'm my own grandpa. Is one of my family's favorites. <laughs> love it. Who would play you in a movie about you? Brad Pitt? I was going to say Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron Jeremy is – you you talking about like he's he's older than you I think. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he yeah don't no, know. I don't know. Probably, uh, I don't know who would play me in a movie. You in the wrong Man, genre it, too it, of it, movie. Perfect world. <laughs> That's a different Sounds. kind of movie. You in the wrong kind of movie <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, I didn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who you, samples that, would be uh, would be who I'd want to play me in a movie. Who, one more time, who was it? Junior Samples from Hee Haw. Junior Samples. Junior Samples. Man, I don't know oh, who yeah. that is. Junior Samples is. Heck yeah. Do you know Junior Samples? From Hee Haw. I don't remember who that is. I don't yeah, I've he never been seen dead a long time, but he yeah. was he was awesome. I if he was still alive, I'd want him to play me. Yep. Who's your is, who's your favorite actor? Denzel Washington. Man, we that's just my talked too. about Denzel. Yeah. That's my favorite actor yeah. too. Show enough. Denzel. There he is right there. I'm looking at Junior Samples. I could see that happening right there. BR549. BR549. If he was uh, still alive. I'll tell you all a quick story on that. Uh, Speaking of Junior, and and this is interesting, uh, I had a chance to do a duet with the legendary Buck Owens many, many years ago called The First Redneck on the Internet and uh, sent the the tape out to to Buck in Bakersfield and – Buck obliged to do it, and I'm gonna tell you, he he was getting older. Of course, this was in 19, probably 1997, 97 or 98, somewhere along in there. And uh, he sang the T-total hell out of that thing and sent it back. And he called me on my house phone. I remember where I was at, what I was doing. He called me on my house phone uh, one evening, a Monday evening. He said, Cletus, you know, I uh, I did that, and I know you got a copy of it. He said, and if it ain't good enough for you. Send it back. I'll redo it. I'll do it till we get it right. And uh, he commenced talking. And I promise you on my life, uh, first of all, the greatest uh, the greatest compliment I've probably ever been given when I was in the music business was from Buck on that phone call. He said, "I, Cletus, I wish you would have been born about 15 years earlier because he said, I think you would have been an absolute phenomenon on Hee Haw. And I would have made you my right-hand man. Wow, that's and I, awesome. That was that was very flattering. You know, uh, I get a little choked up, you know, talking about it. Oh, man, I would too. Was, I grew up watching Hee Haw, you know, as, as most of us did. And for, for the legend to, to think enough of me to, and my humor to say, hey, we'd love to have you. I, you'd have been my right-hand man on Hee Haw was, uh, was extraordinary. Buck continued to talk for about 10 minutes, and I never said a word. He continued to talk for about 30 minutes, and I still hadn't said a word. <laughs> I finally got up, went and washed the dishes, and come back, and he was still talking. And then all of a sudden, after about an hour of me never saying nothing, he said, well, I got to go. I got what I got to do. <laughs> so, uh, and you had already done was, all uh, you had to do. 
Yeah, yeah, I went and washed the dishes and hung out. And uh, but man, uh, you know, those are memories that I hope uh, when I'm older that the dreaded uh, Alzheimer's or uh, dementia don't take away from me because that was those are special moments for sure. Uh, how could they not be? Oh man, yeah. Buck Owens, uh, the only really the only song I know by Buck Owens is uh, "They're Gonna Put Me in the Movies," which is a good one. Act we- naturally. Oh no, that is that's the yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tiger yeah. by the tail, that's Lord. And I wasn't a massive fan of just necessarily Buck's music. I was just a fan of his his humor and and the and the show. That that right. was more, yeah. you know, along the lines of uh, I mean, him and Roy Clark. I mean, you know, good lord. I know we we Chris, we're probably dating a few of them guys in there. But uh, <laughs> uh, I was just such a big fan, and you know, oh, to man. have to sit in the front in the living room of a double wide and and watch that show as a kid, and then to realize, you know. Many years later, you become friends with those people. It's just yeah. overwhelming. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Now, the the song that you you was doing a parody song with Buck. It was actually an original song that Brett Beavers and uh, Jim Beavers, when we was out on tour with, uh, I forgot. I, I don't even think I was on tour. I was on the Walmart tour with Kenny Chesney, I think. And uh, Jim and Brett and them were out there. I forgot who they was playing with. Might have been Lee Ann back in the day. I can't remember. But they had written a song called First Redneck on the Internet. And I told them I'd cut it if they'd give me some of that publishing. And they, they didn't give me none. Uh, but I <laughs> yeah. cut it anyway. And uh, it, But it was not a parody. It was an original. Video is really funny, too. Let me tell you something. And this is true right here. I, when Chris said he knew you, I said, let me – the. The man who got me and my father, we, we used to go on long road trips. And your yeah. CDs, we had every one of your CDs. And that's all we played and laughing over and over. And it was because of you that I ended up going and writing parody music afterwards. I have a lot of parody songs that I've done. And you were the guy who sparked that, not Weird Al. Like, Weird Al, was he was okay and he had some good stuff. But you were a lot funnier to me, you know, that, like – Cletus went down to Florida. Is hundred That's the funny. That's the funniest thing ever. I showed it to my daughters the other day, and I was like, "Tell me, this ain't the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life." They didn't think it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen in their life. I was shocked. Oh no, they probably didn't even laugh. Well, they laughed. They giggled a little, but I was like, "No, this part right here, you gotta watch this again." And I was sitting there just rolling like my name's Jalopy, and then I was like, "Did you hear that?" <laughs> and then they were like, "Yeah, we yeah we get it, Dad. Yeah." Real. Yeah. It's, it's, How it's, old are your kids? 13 and 15. I got two uh, 16-year-old daughters and a 14-year-old uh, son, and, and they don't get me either, trust <laughs> me. I, I, they, they do not get me. Uh, but, man, that's that's awful flattering for you to say that because, you know, so, sometimes when you do what I, I did, you know, you don't ever know uh, – you don't ever know who's who's live as you touch. You know, you get out there and get all caught up in the madness, and uh, and 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 you forget maybe you know who you you know you might touch along the way. And uh, I, I I'm very fortunate and 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 honored that you would say something like that because uh, sometimes you know, I always had the innate ability to make other people laugh because I had such a horrific childhood. It gave me a it gave me an out, you know, it, it made right. me part of the clan and part of the clique, you know, to, to run around with. But uh, I always struggle, still do to some degree, uh, figuring out how to make me laugh. 
that was the hard part. Right. Uh, mm. There were times when I was out with Brooks and Dunn, you know, for those three years, best three years of my, my life. The first year with the tour was the best ever, but uh, there were nights, you know, that I would be on stage and there'd be 25 or 30,000 people there and, and chanting and screaming and yelling. And, you know, I'd look over to my left and it'd be Keith Urban, my right big kicks and Ronnie and Toby behind me and Eddie and Troy and beside me. And I, I never quite understood why the good Lord, you know, let me do all that. And you would think when you're in front of so many people and the accolades and the money and, and then I would find myself sometimes on that old eagle by myself, you know, and uh, balled up, uh, just all up in a ball, in a, in a bunk, you know, balling my eyes out. Uh, and it was, uh, it, it was, it was a struggle for, for sure. I've always struggled with that. And um, I'm, I'm glad to talk about it because I think it's important. I was always good at making people like Chris Wallen and yourself and, you know, the oh, other couple of hundred, it might have enjoyed my humor, but couple man, I struggled on, <laughs> on my end for sure. A couple hundred is millions, millions you made last. Well, I, I, I would like to think that I would, I would like to think that I, uh, somewhere along the way, you know, t- touched a few. I, I hope I, I did a whole lot with very little talent. I, I'll tell you. I don't think uh, you had, but you, I know you say that I've heard you, Say that many times. You say, I, I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. And I, but it's talent to be able to write a, a parody song. That That's talent. And then get the people, make a video that's funny. All those things. Like, people, everybody just can't do that. There's there's tons of parody songs and they all suck, right? Well, Weird you know Al's what, got a you bunch know of what them. We did. I, I feel like I take most pride in, and, and, and you two as, as songwriters will appreciate this. I, it's one thing to write a parody to make us four or five laugh. It's another thing to write one to make the masses laugh. See, right. And I'll give you a good example. I don't know that I'd ever worked as hard on a parody as I did when Kid Rock came out with Cowboy. You know, their rhyme schemes are incredible. You know, they're, I mean, some things don't rhyme, but they have these abilities to make them rhyme. And me and my buddy Chris Clark, who I wrote that with, it took us probably, probably a week. Uh, if I remember a week to write that one, because we made a pact that we was going to rhyme every flipping rhyme in Kid Rock's song. We was going to find something to have ours correlate with it. You know, uh, <laughs> slopping hogs already fed it. You know, we tried to come up with every <laughs> line. And if you listen to those, if you ever get a chance to AB those, I think you'll you'll see what I'm talking about, but I probably take the most pride out of every one I've ever written, as far as just being dead on the money. We re- we wrote the teetotal piss out of that one. I'll tell you. Well, I like that one. It it's it. I like that one for sure. But my my favorite one, I believe, is Cletus went down to Florida, and then probably second would be, um, she's got a butt bigger than the Beatles. That always reminded me of you my know, family. <laughs> I tell you who I wrote that with, and Chris, you'll know exactly who it is, and you'll I'll tell you where I wrote that at. Uh oh. In the front seat of the pickup truck my mama sent me to Nashville and I still had it. And I had the idea and I wrote that in the front seat of that truck with Billy Lawson. You remember Billy? Billy oh, I know Billy Lawson well, yeah. Me and Billy wrote that in the front seat in the back parking lot at Shoney's Inn right there on the Mumbrill. Oh That's yeah, it's right there in the truck. It's a yep. it, it's a high rise now. Uh, where the Shoney's so used to be. So is everything. 
That was the place, oh, was man, back in the day. Shoney's. It was, everybody who was anybody went to that Shoney's. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, would, would I ever want to do it again? And it, it'd be a little bit selfish to say no, but I'll be honest with you from my heart, I would never want to do it again because I done played in the big leagues. And I went up, when you play in the big leagues, it's hard to go back to double A ball. And I'm not saying that against any acts or the type of music. Listen, I, I love it. I love everybody, and I love every song that's ever been written and so forth. But, man, if I couldn't do it like I did at that first go-around, I don't think I'd ever want to do it again because I don't think these guys nowadays will never know what it's like um, back in, 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 my gener in my time, if that makes any sense. Just like I don't know what it was like with Buck and Merle and Conway right. and George and, and all those guys. But man, it, I, I, I didn't have no kids at the time. I wasn't married long, uh, <laughs> <laughs> long. Uh, yeah, but man, it was, uh, I, 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 I don't, I don't know how I ended up in all that madness, but man, it was awesome for sure. Didn't you actually come, you came back with an album in like two years ago or something, didn't you? I came back. I came back and did a couple of singles. Uh, my my kids, you know, Caitlin, my my daughter said, "Look, Dad, we're about sick of them YouTube videos. I mean, if you ain't got nothing else, you know, I mean, come on." And and my wife kind of encouraged me, you know, and and you know, when I was remodeling these old houses up here, and I was away from it, I'd be just covered in soot and you know, coughing and hacking and. And sometimes I'd get my phone out and I'd go sit on the old rundown porch and, and I'd sit there and watch some old videos, you know, and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, that was one of the few times I'd kind of giggle a little bit, you know, I'd, I'd laugh and remember the people that helped me do it and where I was at and the, the cameos. And then I'd go back in them houses and beat around. And so then I, I Morgan Wallen came up with, uh, you know, that big record up down and, um, so I had the idea to do weights going up down and, and I wrote it at work and, uh, and, uh, had some Jeremy Bussey helped me and, uh, a bunch of those guys, uh, brought Barry Hill and, and we, we wrote it and, and I did a video on it, paid for the video out of my pocket. And, uh, we did a good, we did the best we could, did a great job. And I sent it to CMT where my home was for, I don't know. 14 or 15, 13 or 14 years. I can't remember 27 videos I had over there. They, they single-handedly made my life, you know, right. and I sent that video to Leslie Fram and what proceeded to follow from that was nights of no sleep. I checked my emails 10 or 12 different times a day looking for Leslie to respond and she never did and never did. And then two weeks, about two and a half weeks later, I was about ready to give up. And uh, Saturday morning, I, I looked on my phone and it was from Leslie Fram and I couldn't open it. I told my wife and my kid, I said, I can't do it. And Amanda said, look, whatever's in that email, I ain't going to change our life one bit. We got it. You know, you got a job. We got our family. We got our home. So open the flipping thing. So I opened it up and Leslie just basically said, man, sheer genius. You're back bigger than ever. Welcome home. Uh, Cletus T. Judd put this in parentheses. You, my friend, are a genius. And man, I screamed, cried, yelled, 
uh, run around the house. My kids yelled, um, <laughs> and I had gotten a royalty check about a week, a couple of days before that, from some of them songs. And we took all that money and went to the Waffle House and celebrated. <laughs> Waffle House. <laughs> and uh, they put the video on, and you know, the first week out, it went. It was fan voted. It went to number two uh, on the on the CMT countdown, and. You know, I went out and started touring again, and uh, I did another one, you know, a Tiger Woods parody, Man Crush. I did one uh, on Florida Georgia Line, Got to Pee. And, <laughs> and, man, I love doing them, and they all did well, but, I, man, it just ain't uh, it just, it just just ain't the same. You know, I, I talked to my daughter about it a good bit, a good while ago, several years ago, and I asked her about going back and doing it again, and she said, look, Here's the deal. If you're just going to go out there and do them funny songs and try to make some money, I'd rather you stay around the house. But if you're going to go out there and tell your testimony and share your story and, and let people know your journey, how you made it to Nashville, how you made it through Nashville, and how you made it out of Nashville uh, to go out and change lives, then I'll just I'll, I'll let you go and I'll be here waiting on you when you get home. And, uh, and that's my commitment. Uh, moving forward. If, if I'm going to go out and leave my family and leave my kids and, and leave what little I got here, it's going to be to, to, to help. Uh, the fans changed my life the first time. And, and this go around, when I go out, I'm going to try to make sure I change their lives, you know, this time uh, when I do go out. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned cameos um, and you play golf. You like golf, right? A lot. Yeah. But what do you, what do you golf? I'm about a five handicap. Wow, that's good. I'm pretty. I'm pretty good down there. I mean, I still could use some work. I qualified for the Kentucky State Am a few years ago. Oldest guy to uh, to qualify and uh, played in the senior uh, Kentucky Senior Am last week. And my goal is always not finish last. And uh, as of yet, I've not done that. But yeah, I love I love golf. If I didn't have golf in my life, it would be. Uh, uh, I'd be an empty soul, I can tell you. I, I also love golf. I'm terrible at it. I, I look like I'm out there killing snakes on the fairway. <laughs> but but I but you know what? I love it. I and uh and I, I don't I don't go as much. I'd love to go golfing with you sometime. Buddy, uh, we can uh we can sure do it. I, I I love it with a passion. I uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I wrote a story, Chris, you probably saw it on Facebook. I wrote a story a few weeks ago about golf and it's, it's not necessarily just the game. It's, it's, it's what surrounds the game. It's, uh, you know, it gives a chance to, to have, it's, it's really no different than being in a room full of writers. You know, you, you have that camaraderie and you have something in common. And if you, if you hit a good shot, you know, a buddy will high five you. If you come up with a great line or a hook, you know, your rider, your, your co-riders will high five you. And you, sometimes you find yourself not even playing golf, but you're telling stories and golf becomes secondary as well as when we're sitting in a room, writing. You know, the song becomes secondary and the, and the story becomes, uh, the, the, the subject of the, the entire thing. There's a lot of correlation between that. And I, I've always thought it, the older I get, the slower I walk. And I mean, by, I'm not in as big a hurry, you know. I right. try to take each a little little steps at a time and enjoy the the, the serenity and the and the grass and the friendships and because uh, you don't ever know when the last time you tee it up will be. 
So uh, I, right. I play a little slower than I used to now. Now, you must not have ever written a song with Chris. Yeah. Uh, he's he's pretty fast. <laughs> you know, Chris will take his time. He's going to make sure every line yeah. is, is, is flawless, and that's why he's a hit songwriter. I was talking about you said uh, you write a good line, uh, high five you. If you write a good line and you were Chris, he, he leaves. <laughs> oh, he, he gets mad. Forget yeah. you, man. He don't like that. <laughs> I, I ain't saw that side playing. of him. Thank God. We just write. We just write over the phone. I ain't got big enough discography to get in the room with him yet. Oh bull! It. it takes a lot. He don't. He don't really get. You know. You got to be on a whole another level to get oh, in Chris's whatever. writing room. You know. Whatever. Hey, Chris. What year was? Uh, what year? What year was? Don't blank. Was that a uh, two thousand seven? And I think. Okay. So I wish I could pull my phone up. Uh, well, I'm on it, so I ain't gonna do that because it'd be a disaster. But it really would. Chris Wallen, Chris Wallen cost me an enormous amount of money long before I knew Chris Wallen. Man. And I told, I hope Chris remembers this, and uh, it, it's a true story. Uh, I was working in Tampa, Florida, um, doing mornings at WQYK down there completely successful morning show we were banking money like you wouldn't believe bonuses uh every third week it was in my contract i'd drive all the way to kentucky to see caitlin and spend a week drive back and you know i mean i it was it was really hard but you know i was trying to set her up to some degree and um in 2007 i've been there a couple of years and my bosses walked in one afternoon and said hey one friday and said hey take this envelope home take a look at it and tell us what you think i didn't pay no attention to it got home friday afternoon threw a few drinks back went to the golf course there at feather sound and um played then come back home that evening opened up that envelope and it was a contract for five more years for two million dollars and I screamed and yelled about like I did when I found out CMT was going to have me back. And I called some buddies of mine, Hans Lugens and, and several of them, and told them I had I had made it and because uh, that's a lot of money. And I told them to fly down, and we was going to have the weekend of our life. And they all flew down, got there around midnight. Hans was a Delta pilot, so they flew for free, thank God. Uh, hmm. And we had the greatest weekend, and I mean, we drank, we chased women, everything you can imagine doing, we did it. And then all of a sudden, that Sunday night, I looked around in this big old house, and there wasn't nobody there. Me, about five or six bedrooms, 30 or 40 pictures of my daughter, um... And I would walk, I walked down the hallway and I and I opened up the door to her bedroom that she had never even been in. Bed never had been unmade, toys never had been open. And uh, it it was a tough time. It was a it was an empty, it was a big, expensive, empty house. And so I pondered, uh, I walked by the mantel and I looked at her pictures and then I started counting on my fingers how old she would be if I stayed five more years, I went, okay, I'll miss, well, she's just three now. So then I'll miss four and five then I'll miss first grade and second grade, but she, maybe she won't remember any of that. And, uh, then I'll be loaded by the time she gets to third grade and then I'll go home. So I got that envelope out and, uh, opened it up and started reading it. And the more I read, 
the lonelier I got when I started adding up all I was going to miss. The daddy-daughter, you know, first day right, of school, right. and the list goes on and on. And so I took that envelope out about 4 o'clock that morning, and I took a Sharpie, and I wrote on the outside of a, a, a vanilla, what manila envelope, I put, you're worth more than what's on the inside of this envelope, and I'm coming home. And I taped it, shut it up, and went in the next day and heard on, Q, uh, heard on QYK, I heard Don't Blink, and I took that, went straight. I mean, and you talking about after having went through what I heard, went through that weekend right. of the agony and the hurt, and then to walk in and at 6.30 in the morning here, don't blink, just like that, you know, your babies, when you open, and they're gone. All of a sudden, they're gone. And I told my boss, Mike Collada, I said, I'm done. I can't do it no more. I'd lay in my bed at night and go, Lord, I got 150 grand in the bank. Is there any way I could buy back, you know, that daddy-daughter dance I'm going to miss next month? Nope. Money wouldn't buy none of that stuff. Right. So... I quit my job and uh, made my way back to uh, to Atlanta, closer to home, and eventually ended up uh, being back here with my daughter uh, uh, right here in Ohio and Kentucky. But that, but don't blink had a whole lot to do with it. I'm just telling you. Man, thank you so much. That's crazy. Tell me that. That is. That's something. I mean, I you know that 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 money thing, boy. I know. We probably all made more than we should, and I spent more than I should have, but uh, I never bought one memory with no damn money, not a lick. And can't buy back a memory. Nope. I, that, listen, can't buy back a memory. I, I've tried it. You know, me and Jason Matthews wrote a song called Can't Buy Them Back Little when they're all grown up, and uh, you're looking at a fool that tried, uh, but that's it. It's in, you, you just can't do it. And uh, my daughter turns, uh, my, one, my, my stepdaughter, Isabella, she's 16. My stepson's 14. Caitlin turns 16 September the 11th. And, you know, they, they grown and gone before long. Right. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. Well, I like to hear that from you because I am a, I'm an artist and I've had the opportunity to go on the road and tour and all those type of things, sign a record deal. And uh, chose not to every time because I didn't want to leave my babies. So I stayed home and, and did it online. And it's been good. God's been good to me, real good. Um, and if it's, and if like, I'm, I'm, this is how I am. If it all ends today, then it's, I got as far as I was supposed to get. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm like that. With what you just said, I'm the same, uh, I'm kindred in that regard as far as my babies mean more to me than any any music or any record deal. I'd rather work somewhere else than uh, lose their moments that I can't get back. Now, I do I do think you can buy memories as, as far as if you're rich and you bring your whole family with you to Paris or whatever, you, you're, getting some, you're buying some pretty good memories. I ain't rich enough to do it. But, you know, things like that are things that you can purchase those moments and show them the world if you're rich. But you can, you, you can also... Enjoy. I'm not one that says, well, you can only live with money because you can you can have better. There's some people that have better times that are poor than people that are just filthy rich, you know. But Oh, absolutely. And I, and, and I probably probably misspoke there. I, I guess I meant I can't buy the memories back that I miss, um, like the daddy-daughter dances right, and right. like the first day of schools. You know, you can't write a check and go, hey, God, you know, uh, 
look here, I'll write this 100G check to the homeless shelter if I can get back what I missed last week. You yeah, know, that, you that's can't do that. what I'm talking about. And the difference in me and you is you did it the right way. I didn't do it the right way. See, you, you did it the right way when they was young. I have to live with the fact that I missed the first six years, seven years, six, seven years of Caitlin's life. When I say missed, I never missed a week coming here uh, to be with her. Uh, but see, I was, I always thought I'll get her set up. You know, this is a chance to, so she won't have to struggle like I did. And I'd always, I never forget. I'd always say, oh, she won't remember. She won't remember. Guess what? I remember. That's the hard part. And I'll never, as long as I live, and man, Amanda, I just talked about this a few days ago at the kitchen table. I'll, I'll never be 100% satisfied nor happy because of that that seven years ever I, I i just won't do it i drove up here from georgia seeing my sick mama 414 miles to see caitlin took her bowling bowl one game made a hamburger and drove back because i didn't want her to forget me you know that mm. that that's uh that's the same reason i i have a hard time leaving people like y'all because i'm afraid y'all forget me it's a sickness. I don't, you know, I, everything I, I did, I've done it because I didn't want nobody to forget me. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a hard road to go down. I can tell you. Well, you're pretty it's unforgettable. A, it's a lot of pressure. You're pretty unforgettable because you I, put I heart, know. heart into everything you do, whether it's funny or not, or whether it's, you know, uh, you've always done that, uh, you know, every, everything I, that, Vince Gill, I, I, my goal when I moved up there, Chris, when I came, because I didn't know a soul. I just won an amateur night in Atlanta, you know, at, at the buckboard down there with Mark Wills and a couple of guys, Darren Norwood. And when I moved up there, my, my goal was to to do enough for people, one, that they wouldn't forget me if I ever did make it, and, and two, if I ever, and it's will sound funny, but it's not meant to be, if I ever needed a kidney, you know, somebody go, you know what? Damn, old Judd's needing a kidney. Let's give him one of ours because you know what? Judd would have gave us one of his. And that's what's always, I have not always done the right thing. Trust me. Uh, done done probably more wrong than right. But, uh, man, you talking about a dude that come from a tough uh not poor. I ain't, ain't talking monetarily, but me mentality wise, I came from a tough environment and, um, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I done it. I, I don't know if I could do it again. Uh, it was hard. It was hard back when we were all down there, you know, beating up the row and the only reason I came is because my mom wanted to make Vince Gill. You know, that's, that's the only thing I was sitting in that double wide trailer and bankrupt, uh, cocaine addict and, Mama wanted to meet Vince, and he he had won a, a, a CMA award in 1991 for a song called, or 92, When I Call Your Name. Oh, yeah. Um, and I turned around, my mama was crying, and I said, Mama, why are you crying for? She said, because I'd give anything in the world to meet Vince Gill. And I said, you want to meet Vince? And she said, I, 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 I'd love to. And I said, well, I can make that happen. Just like, just like that, no premeditation, no, never even considered it. 
right uh getting into the music business and she said well son you can't sing or nothing you don't know nobody up there how you gonna how you gonna introduce me to vince gill i said i don't know but i'll do it and a week after that i wrote an atlanta braves song uh went down the buckboard got up on stage and they played a, a rap beat and i sang the song and won the the contest and won it about uh mark wills won it the next week and then uh uh, Mark and I and Darren Norwood stayed at that buckboard for about six months. And then my mama bought me that Toyota pickup truck. She gave me $600 and, uh, and, and I came to Nashville. Didn't know a so knew Bruce Birch and T. Graham Brown. That's the only two people I, I'd ever hardly met up there. And, uh, I went, I had my clothes in the truck and y'all know where Ruby Tuesdays is out there by the airport. It used to be there. I, I don't know if it still is or not. I would go out there and sleep under them big old lights in my truck because I was, you know, I was afraid, I was afraid. And them lights, you know, I felt like, you know, I'd, I'd be safe if somebody was to bother me. Maybe somebody would see them or whatever, right. but I'd sleep under my clothes. And then I'd get up the next morning, I'd go to the YMCA downtown. I'd take a shower with a couple of dollars and then I'd go up and down Music Row and try to meet somebody. I went over and did an amateur night at the um what was the place chris behind uh shoney's in the other uh, the hall of fame hall, hall of fame, fame lounge i did yeah, i did a, a solo there act do, there at one o'clock in the morning well i'd go the over there and do amateur nights you know and, and there was a guy back there in the back uh uh that i noticed he had all the women around him and every time i would sing a song when i'd get done he would put a hundred dollars in my hand and i said man I, I can't take that kind of money he said listen you don't know what kind of day I had today. He said, you gave me $100 worth of laughter in the last three minutes. You take that money and do whatever you want. So I'd get a room there at the Hall of Fame, or I'd go somewhere else. I slept on, uh, I slept in a walk-in closet uh, with a Budweiser headboard while I was there. Uh, Vern Dan had a place, if you remember Vern, Vern let me sleep in his closet. Uh, I struggled. It was it was hard. Three years I, I made... Uh, five thousand dollars a year for three years uh, up there cutting hair on the side and struggling and trying to meet people and i wasn't getting nowhere and uh, if y'all remember the ice storm came through in 1994 right and it shut down that whole city and i was driving home in that truck to darren norwood's house and I was scraping my windshield with a Mark Chestnut CD because I didn't have no defrost. And uh, I, I got frostbite on my left hand. And uh, I almost lost my left three fingers. And I had them wrapped up. They were swollen. I lost my fingernails. But it was a Sunday night, and I called my mama. I'll never forget it. I called her collect. And I said, come get me. I can't do it. I can't do it no more. I said, I'm hungry. I ain't got no money. I wore these same clothes, you know, days in, days out. And I said, come and get me. And she said, now that just don't sound like you. And I said, mama, I'm done. Come and get me. And as I said, come and get me, God is my witness sitting right here in my, I had the phone in my left ear and in my right ear in a little transistor radio, I heard a song called uh, Indian Outlaw by Tim McGraw. And I started humming along to that song, and uh, I got the first verse within a, a probably 15 seconds. I started singing, there may Indian in-laws, can't visit me and my squad, been here for a month, y'all, about to lose my mind. And I said, Mom, I got to call you back. 
And she said, what do you mean? I, I said, I got to call you back. She said, well, am I coming to get you? And I said, I'll call you back. Hung up the phone. Me and Bruce Birch wrote Indian in-laws over the phone. I borrowed $300 from uh, T. Graham and Larry Lockamy, I think. Went in County Q, recorded it four weeks later. In five weeks, it was on 199 radio stations on cassette. was getting played all over the, the country. And my life changed. Uh, so the, the story I'm trying to make come full circle is four years after I left to come up there, I was, uh, I was asked to play in a celebrity golf tournament. I wasn't even the celebrity. Uh, I was asked to play in it, uh, out at Hermitage and I got out there and I looked up on that big old board up on the wall and it had like 36 teams playing. And Diamond Rio was out there, I, uh, I, uh, Tracy Lawrence, all kind of people were out there. And I looked up on that board and it had so-and-so, 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 Cletus T. Judd, and Vince Gill. <laughs> and uh, wow, <laughs> I, I knew then, you know, that that was just fate. And uh, I played golf with Vince that day, and uh, when it was over, I told Vince a story of why I was there. And uh, Vince said, I asked Vince would he do a video with me, and, and he said, absolutely. I said, would you mind if my mama came? And he said, buddy, bring her on. And so my mama sent me to Nashville in an old rundown pickup truck, and I brought my mama to Nashville, her and her, my friend, her, her friend Myrna and my aunt um, Elise, and I brought them up there in a uh, uh, limo. And on a Monday afternoon, four or five years after I left out of that town, we was all at that video shoot, and there was a knock on the door. And my director, John Lloyd Miller, said, Moselle, why don't you get that, get that door? And Mama said, why do you want me to get it for it? He said, just get that door. And uh, she walked him little feet over there and opened that door. And there stood Vince Gill. And I said, I told you told you I could do it, Mama. And uh, uh, that that's bigger than anything i ever done in my life. That was the, awesome. the single biggest uh, biggest accomplishment of my, my career by, by far. That's nice. That's, that's awesome, awesome Mike. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. That's the guy a- that was giving me that $100, Chris, you'll never guess who it was. Ain't no way you could figure it out. Harold Shedd. Harold Shedd. Yep. Harold Shedd, who, you know, oh, yeah. found Billy Ray and mm-hmm. all them guys, you know. I bet Harold Shedd, over the course of six months in that Hall of Fame lounge, gave me five or $600 over the course of them. T- and I never had a clue until later on in my career when I knew the, the significance of Harold Shedd. Right. So one night at uh, at the CMA Awards, I was going with Uncle Cracker. And I knew Harold was going to be there. And I stopped and got $500 out of the ATM <laughs> and went up to him in the hallway. He was talking to, I forgot who he was talking to. And he hugged my neck and uh, he, I shook his hand and I put five $100 bills in his hand. And I said, uh, you, you, for all you did for me uh, on them nights, I didn't have nowhere to go. I'm paying you back. And of course he didn't take it and he didn't remember it much, you know, if you right, know Harold, right. but, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was people like that that uh, that kept me going for sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to get on a tangent. No. Oh no, that's what you're the guest. We want to hear what you got to say more than what we got to say. But I will say, yeah, we do. We do uh, at about this time in the show, we do a segment called "What Not to Eat," 
what not Uh-oh. to eat. Yeah, it's about it's about things yeah. that that you shouldn't be eating or they that they eat around the world. It's pretty nasty. So you might eat yeah. some of this. I don't know. You you grew up in where Kentucky? Where'd you grow yeah, up? No, I grew up in Georgia. 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 Yeah, they eat some real yeah. crazy stuff in Georgia. Maybe some of this y'all have eaten. Yeah. Let's let's let's, hear it. let's do it. You might have eaten a few things in your lifetime. I know Chris and Marty sure have. But these are things they would never eat. This is what not to eat. Mine is called Arog. It's a beer. But it's from fermented fizzy horse milk. It's served served in a nice chilled bowl shaped cup. You have a, yeah. You gotta, you gotta take you. They, you sometimes they drink it with a spoon. So, oh god, right, right there it is. Yeah, there's the spoon. Look at there. That's I see uh, it. nice and chilled for you, Cletus. Not interested. Not Man. interested. You ever milk a? You no. milk? You got a song about milking a cow? You ever milked a horse? It's been a while. Has it been? <laughs> has it been a little bit? It's been a while. <laughs> well, yeah. get down here to Nashville, and we'll we'll go milk a horse together. Go horse milking. No, yeah. I, uh, I'm gonna pass. It's what, like cow tipping. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like cow tipping. It's the it's the yeah. alternative to cow tipping. <laughs> it's smaller teats. What do you got, Chris? <laughs> well, I don't know if I got any left here. Did uh, is there one of these? Did we do that one? Yeah, yeah. Keep did scrolling. we do that one? Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 Yep, that's what I thought. We did that one, too. That's five. How did that happen? I don't know. How we do that? We, we had no five episodes. Wait, 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 wait. The one with the head, I don't think that's it. That one? Yeah, I don't think we've done that one. Okay, we'll try this one anyway. Yeah. We'll do it again <laughs> anyway. We'll do it again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm wondering. Yeah. We'll do it again. Okay. We'll do it again. So this is called Kale Pache. P-A-C-H-E. It's a traditional dish. Common to countries including Afghanistan, Albania, Armenia, Bulgaria, and Mongolia. It refers to a stew made from boiled cow or sheep parts, which could include the head, feet, and stomach. Mm. Variations of the dish exist from country to country in Iran and Afghanistan, the dish is made from a sheep's head, including the brain and trotter, seasoned with lemon and cinnamon. Hmm, sounds good. Oh, they had me until the, the lemon cinnamon. Lemon and cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> had me until the cinnamon, Cletus. What about you? Uh, I can't take it. You can't, what's the craziest thing you've you ever eaten? I can make this short and sweet. Uh-oh, come on. My wife's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, she's going to watch this. <laughs> she walked through the door in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> We're gonna tag her when we post. It's, it. Hey, it's awful. <laughs> yeah. I could go in there and get one in pans where she cooked tonight, bring it in here and show it to you. Please do. <laughs> Please. Is it hamburger helper? <laughs> hey, y'all keep talking. Hang on. Yeah, oh, we want. We gonna it. get a visual now. We want to see this. Come on this. now. <laughs> it's cooking. No way. He's going to get it. He's going to get it. <laughs> that man said, "I can go get it." Oh, he meant it. Oh, he and he meant it. He meant it. Yeah. That man left to get the the pan <laughs> to show us. He ain't pan. <laughs> so we can talk bad about his wife's cooking on man. this show right now. I love it. 
That's awesome. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I might look at it and go, man, that was great. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Here he is. Uh-oh. Look out now. Oh, it's, it's, uh, here we go. What we got going? Oh, man. Is it? Is that hamburger? Is it? Is that hamburger you? helper? Oh no. Oh no. It ain't that, oh, no. It, it ain't that good. <laughs> is that like eggs and macaroni and cheese? What is that? I don't I don't I don't know. <laughs> I mean you keep asking me for an answer. I done told you. I don't know. <laughs> give it a give it a name right here on this show. Call it something. What is it? Y'all cuss on here? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, well you about said it then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna set this down. Can we? Okay, hey, wait. Can we watch you take a bite? Y'all gonna get me in trouble. Can we? <laughs> can we watch you take a bite of it? Sure can. <laughs> I ain't eat none of it. He said. He said I'd rather have that sheep's head you was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know what you need on that, Cletus, is some cinnamon and lemon. It'll yeah. make it oh, a spruce, spruce it right up. And some ketchup. Yeah. Ketchup. That's about it. <laughs> a lot of a lot of ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's we t- you answered about every question I had. On I my list. I probably talked too much. I, no, I no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't talk too much. It was it was uh without having to ask any of the questions, you answered them, which was amazing. Yeah. I know, Chris, you got yeah, anything? Man, I just, you know, um, I, I'm just so glad to have him on here and and, and just, man, like I said, I, I've been a fan for a long time. And and I, I did a when, – when I had speed out for Montgomery Gentry, I wrote my own parody and I said, I'm going to get to this before Cletus does. <laughs> <laughs> and I've ruined a many of them. I, <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do this before Cletus get a hold of this. And you didn't. I did. Man. I wrote. I wrote, it's called peed. I oh. peed right here in the road. It didn't catch me. I did it quickly. <laughs> did uh? <laughs> I ain't heard that. And I got Man, some you know, on my knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one that um. I was trying to think if I could think of it. Uh, that we did that we we never recorded because uh. We get in trouble, but I, I remember the big Tom Douglas song. Who I'm a big Tom Douglas fan. Uh, Little Rock, you know. Uh, I thought the production on that, Mark Wright, I think actually produced that one of the best produced records ever. But um, I did one. Oh no, actually, that the one I did was uh, Colin Ray. Uh, Colin Ray when he did uh, Little Rock. Mm, yeah. We did one called. Uh, I think I'll smoke the bowl and smoke me a little rock. Uh, it didn't go too well. Yeah. yeah no. Paul yeah. shut that down before we ever got started. Oh, that man. don't really sound like a country song that you would hear <laughs> on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, well, release it, it, it now. It work now, but it sure didn't work back Release then, it now, Cletus, <laughs> please. We got to hear it. All those unreleased ones, man, we, we need to hear them. Well, in, in closing, you know, it's just like we talked about, man, I – what a what an absolutely uh, wonderful and I know it's all changed and high rises and all that but you know man what a what a wonderful place what a, a a place where man if you can stand it and if you can grind it and if you can beat it and if you can 
you know, if you can ride it and you can thank it, what a great town to go to, man. Are you kidding me? It's just nothing but, or when I was there, and I, I'm sure that it, it still is to some degree, the creativity and, um, you know, the, the writers. I mean, you know, people like Chris Wallen and Anthony Smith and yourself. And, I mean, God, they, there's way more than I can ever mention or, or ever think of. You know, Paul Overstreet, you know, oh, man, Paul yeah. Overstreet taught me the biggest lesson. I've told Chris this in my entire songwriting career. We had a Chesney hole one time and, and, uh, and I called Paul and I said, man, you know, you, uh, he, Paul called me and he said, you excited about that hole? And I said, well, Paul, I, not really. I said, Lord, you know, a hole ain't nothing but a heartache half the time. And when I said that, he, he, he lost his damn mind. And he said, you got a minute? And I said, yeah, what's up? And he said, let me tell you something, biggin. He said, there's 5,000 people right now in a one bedroom apartment that ain't got no computer that's got a yellow sheet of notebook paper and a pencil with a half-eaten eraser on it down to their last pale mail cigarette that just finished writing what they think is going to be the next biggest Kenny Chesney song that's ever been written or sang, and it'll never be recorded, demoed, or pitched to Kenny. He said, "You and here you got a chance. You're in the door with something where they, they thought enough of what me and you created a couple of days ago to say, hey, don't give this to nobody else until we let Kenny hear it, then we'll let you know. And he said, you know, and without the uh, without the hold, you don't get the cut. Without the cut, you don't make the record. If you don't make the record, you never get a single. And if you don't get a single, you ain't got a publishing deal. So the next time you get a hold, go drink a beer, do whatever you're going to do for 10 minutes and celebrate because you may never get another one. And he hung up on me. That was the best advice that's I ever Good for been him. Sounds like Paul. Writing career. Yeah, that's good. That's sounds good. Sounds like him, don't it? Yeah, it sounds like Paul. Yeah. Cletus, I want to. Oh yeah, he scolded me for sure. <laughs> Cletus, I want to pay you to write a parody song with me someday. You ain't gonna pay me nothing. I'm I'll gonna do it with you. I'm me gonna pay you. Molly can write us one. I'm gonna pay you in barbecue. <laughs> that, <laughs> there's plenty to write about right now. I think. Oh, man. In your song, I got. I wanted to ask you earlier. Uh, you had you talking about cameos in your song, "Waiting for Obama." Was it? Uh, was it? Was that Colt Ford in that song with you? Yeah. He, yeah. 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 I thought so. I was that, Colt, Colt Ford was Colt. behind you, and I, I couldn't tell if it was him because he looked so young. Yeah, Colt. Man, they, Lord, I ain't no way I could ever remember all the ones, but God, I mean, Trace and Shania and, and Diffie, the late, great Diffie. Oh, man. Um, I mean, you know, God, the list goes, there are way too many to, to ever remember. Dana Carter, I mean, the list goes on and on. And why in the world them fools thought about enough about me to put their, put their give me three or four hours of their time and, and come out and, and, and spend uh, half a day watching my madness. I, I will forever be uh, forever be indebted my my entire life to to that community and uh, uh, CMT especially because they they created the monster and uh, Clarence Baldwin told me one time he said man you better start saving some of that money you know this this stuff's going in one day and I said let me tell you something I ain't never had no money and I said 
I, I, you write me out a contract says I'm going to live to be 70 and guarantee me, I might put a little bit back, but not much. But while I got it, I'm going to enjoy it. And my friends are going to enjoy it with me. And I'll worry about when I'm 55 or 60, when I get 55 or 60. And I still wouldn't change not one bit of it. Had I not have made it, my buddies would have never known what it's like to get on a tour bus. They'd never know what it's like to watch a tour from backstage. They'd never know uh, what it's like to live the kind of life that all three of us have got to live. So write a check for that. Can't, mm. yep. can't do Preach. it. Preach. Heck yeah. I, I, Who's on that pillow behind all you? All right, I'll let y'all get on with your life. Wait I've now. Been, wait. I've been philosophical long enough. Wait one second now. Who's on that pillow behind you? Is that a pillow? What is that behind you? On the other side. Right behind you, on the other side. Michael Scott. Is that the office? Is that an office pillow? Yep. Yep, that's it. Yep. <laughs> I love that show. That's it. We end every show with an unbelievable fact. That's how we end every show. Oh, I wish I... I I wish I had my four, uh, my picture off the wall in there. I'd bring, I'd bring y'all to show you my last four royalty checks on this thing. <laughs> I got them framed in there on the wall. Uh, I think the total for the five was a little over a dollar. Wow. Look at you. Nice. Oh, yeah. They're hanging up in there right beside, right beside the gold record. You killed somebody it. Got, somebody made some money on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't you, I guess. No. No, I don't care. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Here's the unbelievable. Man, thank y'all for having me on. God bless. And uh, thank y'all. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Well, before you go, we end every show with an unbelievable fact. You ready for it? Yep. Here we go. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. Cletus, in 1932, there was an emu war. In Australia, emu birds and the Australian army fought against each other, and the emus won. True story. Wow. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. The emus won. Look it up. Emu war. Man. The well, that's emu. pretty strong right there. I can't top that. It's time for us to hang up. The Great Emu War. The Great Emu War. That's what it was yeah. called. I saw. I read about that in my history book. I did think. you really? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> I never went to I got, history class. Here's a, show, here's a short one. Vending machines kill four times as many people per year as sharks. Huh. Well, I guess that makes sense. Shark attacks aren't very common, I don't think. Anyway, what, what what crazy fact you got, Cletus, before we go? My wife's cooking's going to kill four of us. <laughs> Man, and, and three of us ain't even there. That's 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 tough. <laughs> God bless Man, you, God Cletus. God bless y'all. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, y'all call anytime. I'd love to. I'll talk to you anytime you're bored. I'm Thank a, you, Cletus. I'm a big fan. I love you to death, Bye, brother. Guys. See you, brother. I love y'all too, man. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. <laughs> Ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. Thank you so much, Cletus T. Judd, for being on the show today. It was truly my honor. Thank you for teaching me how to be funny through songs and writing parodies. I love you to death. God bless you.